All right. Shall we sink? All right. Sinking in three, two, two one. one. Story man. Story man. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. That's yep. funny. When we can't hear Kathy's voice. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fascinating Podcast, episode 285. I'm Clay Morgan. I'm Matt Michelotis. And we are alone. alone. (laughs) Think we're alone now. We canceled last week because of the storm. Because of cancel culture. Yep, exactly. Half our hosts live in Texas, and it was pretty bad. We're going to talk about that this week. Um... And then this week, we had originally, so that we had talked about the person who was going to guest with us last week, being with us this week, but then we didn't reschedule with him on time, and then Kathy wasn't going to be here, and the person we're having come in, it would be particularly good if Kathy were here, but she had already told us she was gone this week, and then Clay and JR and I had not made a specific plan yet, it just, the whole thing was a mess. Chaos, man, it's just been a chaotic freaking week plus week and a half now at this point for me yeah so first i want to hear all about that but first i've got a story for you of another bad day i love stories just a day though uh (laughs) so uh this is in florida seven-year-old boy named elias quezada decided to hide inside a trash can sure when a garbage truck came by and picked him up and <laughs> threw him in the back. And it had the like teeth going and the whole thing. And the, the kid says, Elias, he goes, this might be the end for me. I thought I was going to be a mashed potato. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is only funny because, of course, he doesn't die. Like, the, the driver saw him at the last minute, starts screaming. Oh, my uh, Runs back there, pulls the kid out, uh, called 911. The kid got a little cut up, but he didn't get ground into garbage, right? Wow. Um, and then, <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, he's, he's being interviewed by the news and he says, I don't like trash cans anymore. Unless it's like a tiny trash can inside my house. That might be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Man, they start young in Florida. The Adventures of Floridians. I know, man. Ugh, it's rough. Rough. The, uh, you know, the Florida thing, this is interesting. I, I just learned this the other day. Part of the reason we see so many crazy stories from Florida is because they have a law that says you can't um, you can't make police reports private or something like that. So all these nutty things that happen are accessible to the public. And at least according to the police in Florida, they're like, yeah, if other states had the same rule, it wouldn't be Florida, man. It'd just be like, people are stupid. Which I think is interesting. I don't know. That might not be true. That could be an urban legend. It's interesting. You know, Florida has always had such a reputation um, for so many things. I don't know if you ever read Dave Barry, for example, but he kind of chronicled it from within, you know, from a comedic standpoint. But it's just like when you when you talk about this crazy story that happened somewhere in America, like nine out of ten times it seems like it's a Florida thing, right? And there's certain states that have this reputation and they're so known for the stereotypical way they think and act. And 
Texas is one of those too, where I live. Like you know, that's true. You could talk about Portland, Oregon, and that's like hipstery, but that's not like people don't hear Oregon and think of the whole of Oregon in such a strong way. Or I'm from Pennsylvania, like. I don't know. There's a lot of jokes you could make about Pennsylvania, but <laughs> I mean, it's true. It, it's more than once a month that I see a story from Texas and I'm like, I, I send it to you guys. Like, look what's happening in Texas, which you all already know, but it's a way I harass you. And I mean, part of it, I guess, is the size. There's a lot of population. So there's enough people to do crazy things. But there's also this mindset, particularly this month. It's really interesting to kind of watch. I kind of described it as like Texas is getting neutered. <laughs> and you know it's like an adult dog that it's just way harder when that process happens to an older dog <laughs> oh my gosh okay so let, let's talk about it so this big storm came in and it affected a lot of the u.s it wasn't just texas right like we were snowed in for three days here in portland mm -hmm. and in portland and i'm guessing there's some similarities in texas we get snow like Every couple of years, we'll have a big storm that kind of shuts things down. We don't have tons of snow plows. I think we have three for the whole city. We don't use salt on the roads. So when it's icy, when it's snowy, it just, most people just stay home. They don't know how to drive in snow anyway. Uh, and it's just like, well, I guess we can't do anything. Um, I even have, I have a four-wheel drive truck, and I still didn't go out till we, I think we're, we had maybe been snowed in two days before I went to the grocery store. Um, but it was worse in Texas, right? Cause like tons of people just didn't have power. Man. Like what, what happened for you, Clay? And yeah, and I come from Pennsylvania where it's just common to drive down the road and see mountains of salt and, uh, you know, winterizing, um, materials like that's, that's just normal. So like when a big snow hits, I mean, honestly, a two-inch, three-inch, four-inch snow on a Tuesday morning is almost like routine. It just doesn't even – you don't even think about it up there. And uh, John Acuff kind of put it well on a, on, a, on a thread how he used to live in Boston and went, now he's in Nashville. And he's, he was like, I'm sorry I used to make fun of people in the south because they never had a plan for snow and they couldn't handle snow. He's like, I, I didn't realize they do. The plan is the sun. And that's true here. Typically in Texas, like if it snows in the morning, it's gone by 2, 3 o'clock. It's just not a thing. Like so, even if it's like real scary for Texans who they can't drive in the best of circumstances. <laughs> I used to say Florida had the worst drivers by far, but Texas is clearly worse. Um, you know, it, you you have the sun, and that's it. Like I didn't think about it until this week. I don't even own a snow shovel anymore. Who am I? Right. So when the storm hit, it must have been let's see the twenty the thirteenth. It was no, it's Valentine's Day, the 14th into the 15th. Um, we knew winter weather was coming, but you know, we went to sleep and, and were prepared for that to the extent we thought. Well, the power companies, at least the, the first one that we were controlled by, they shut off our power early in the night, like 2 a.m. or something like that. And I don't know, their original plan was to do rolling blackouts. And that was before they realized how completely unprepared and incompetent they were, and they couldn't even get the power back on. So we woke up Monday the 15th to <clears throat> no power in a freezing cold house. Um, and what's worse is, you know, then we started having water issues. But basically for three days, we were kind of living out of the top floor of our house. The power would come on for like maybe 90 minutes, maybe two hours, and then it would be off for hours again. Um 
And uh, it was just a whole different kind of challenge down here in this historic cold snap. So you guys basically, you had power occasionally, but basically no power for like three days or something? Yeah, for three three days we were, you know, largely just bundling up. And uh, I mean, we literally couldn't even be in the master bedroom. It was so cold. So we created like a floor bed up on the top floor, which is like my studio because the heat was rising and it's a smaller space. <clears throat> we had our dogs up here. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we had our dogs up here and, you know, we <laughs> were like dropping, taking food plates up and down. And, um, and then it wasn't too long before a, a drain pipe froze. Um, so you couldn't use certain sinks and there was, there was no hot water. So the problem that happened was I live in a relatively new development. And the builders, for whatever reason, put a lot of, I guess because it was cheaper, they, yeah. we have tankless water heaters, and they put a lot of them on the outside wall of the garage. Tankless so, water heaters? What does that mean? Uh, it's, I think it's called instantaneous water heaters in some parts of the country, but there's no water tank. Like, you would picture a big cylindrical tank, you know, in most uh -huh. homes. Yeah, like, we, yeah, that's what we have at our house. Yeah, so like, we don't even have garages in Texas. It has, uh, like, an electric heater. Is that what it is? It just heats the water as it comes through? Yeah, there's, like, a conductor in there. There's, a, like, there's an electrical outlet. There's gas line. Uh, there's a lot of, like, science happening in there, which I've had to learn way more about <laughs> than I ever wanted to. <laughs> Um, there's four valves and all this stuff. And <laughs> so shockingly, I mean, when, when the things thawed, there was nothing anybody could do. But when uh, six days later, we finally got warm enough weather for the thaw, a couple people had their units on the inside of their garage and it worked. They're back to normal. Life is normal. Everybody else in our neighborhood, and we had multiple days and hours of running around and trying to help one neighbor after the next as some started bursting and gushing. Um these things started failing all over the neighborhood. So uh, we did not, uh, some people left. There were like no hotel rooms left in Texas. So our one neighbor actually went, they paid $500 to go get a hotel just like up the street. And they got a hot shower that morning. And then the power went out at the hotel oh my for some of that time. But in, another guy went on Expedia and he booked the last room at this place. He drove 30 minutes only to find out the hotel, the motel wasn't even open. Like people were just trying to f do anything just in the Dallas, you know, these are the, these are not the Austin and Houston stories and so on. But all that was happening and we were here. So I kept trying to run water through the faucets that would work and doing the things to try to help the thaw when it came, but it was just so cold. And so you uh, guys didn't, you didn't have hot water at all during those three days. We, st we still don't have hot water. You still don't have hot water. Yeah. So we're, Shoot. we're, this is not over for us at all. Um, I have a plumber coming on Friday, and apparently I'm lucky. I called four more plumbers yesterday, and they said, we won't even be – it'll take us two or three weeks until we're even done with the people who don't have any water. Oh, my so, gosh. So this is not over at all in Texas. And I'm talking about you know in places like Dallas where um, our neighbors are pretty well-to-do. Uh, and half our neighborhood is you know not and half is. But it, it, I live right next door to the police station, like the Dallas police headquarters. Wow. Um, so it's not like there was any kind of extra, you know, benefit there. And um, so all that to say, we now have to uh, get a part. We've all been trying to source this part or two. Um, I have one coming on March 9th or 12th. Um, 
if that is the part that has failed, then I can have hot water again on like March 12th. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> if it's the other part, that's on back order to June or July. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like we are So you live in the 19th century. It is it is crazy here, man. And um like you know, JR and them are out in Rowlett <clears throat> in the Burbs. They didn't have any issues. So, you know, happy for for that situation. Huh. We were, Um, Yeah, I talked to Mark Charles. So we've had Mark on the show before. And, you know, he's native. He used to live on a reservation years ago. Um, And he was telling me, he was like, he lives in DC now. So they had a big storm coming through as well. But uh, I was talking to him about it. Like, what does he think about the storm? And he said, you know, when we lived on the reservation, it was really different because we didn't have running water and we didn't have electricity where he, he lived in a Hogan. Uh, and he was like, so you're prepared, you have wood, you have a place to burn, you know, like, so you know how to keep warm. Um, but it's really different when you're in a place that's just completely reliant on the technology. Like there's nothing you can do. Like if you don't have heat, it's not like you can build a fireplace if you don't already have one. So we had a friend here in Portland that their power went out, uh, for, uh, I don't know, five days, six days. Um, and, but they have a, they have a fireplace in their house. So they were fine as far as warmth goes. They were able to warm water and stuff like that, but they, uh, yeah, nothing else, right? Like they're going to Safeway to charge their phones, like stuff like that. Uh, or maybe they're charging in their car. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. So what, Clay, what's the deal? Like, so my understanding, and this is just from a vague outsider is that a lot of this comes down to like the various types of power production aren't winterized. Is that right? Yeah. So this is, this is kind of what's interesting about the Texas mindset, right? Like no, no government's going to tell us how to do anything. And um, there are rules on how you are supposed to manage the public utilities and the public resources, right? Like life essential critical ones. So I, I, I would love to learn more from somebody who has a lot of expertise in this. Jen did a lot more reading than I did. And I, I frankly just couldn't handle it. Those days were stressful enough. I couldn't, I couldn't sit and read more using my phone data um, to learn all the ways Texas failed. But, you know, by not, by, by being on their own grid, by trying to do whatever it took to not be regulated by the government, um, it was up to Texans power company owners, leaders, board of directors to abide by at least the Texas established statutes, which were, you have to winterize. You have to have your plants prepared and it's gas, it's coal, it's nuclear. I mean, aside from the whole governor Abbott going on the news and saying green energy failed. And like, I literally heard right away from someone in Pennsylvania who believed that it's just with that and that's crazy. not the case is my no. understanding now is that right no i mean everything failed eventually but the the narrative there was this is what happens when you go green and it was just so <laughs> such a lie i mean it, just look in canada where it's regularly minus 30 they have wind turbines all over the country it's, it's right not, it's not a thing well yeah i saw someone saying the solar panels had failed because it was so cold and i was like there's solar panels on the space station <laughs> right like, yeah yeah, I mean, again, facts just don't matter with a certain group. But because they didn't winterize and they didn't have a backup plan, I mean, it's like the builder who put these boxes on the outside of our garage. If they had just installed them on the other side of the wall, we would have been fine. But it's huh. not even like, you know, Matt, when I was a kid, I grew up in this house 
that had been built in the early 1900s for miners. So like the coal mines were down the road and the and the company built all the houses and the company store, like all that stuff from Tennessee Ernie Ford songs, right? Right. So I literally could go through this door, this wooden door in my garage. Like we would park in front of it. And if you went through this door, it was the room was half full with a mound of dirt. Like they just stopped digging. And it was like storage and like a mountain of dirt. And you could see underneath the kitchen in that space, the exposed pipes, the exposed copper pipes. So many a morning, many a freezing cold morning, I had to put on my my parka and take the blow dryer down at 630 and climb up on the mountain of dirt and lay sideways and just point the blow dryer at the copper pipes for 30 minutes (laughs) until we had water (laughs) in the house. Like, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have done the blow dryer thaw <laughs> game. Um, oh that wasn't an option here. I did try to blow dry under my kitchen sink cabinet to get that drain released, but it's it was too far into the wall. And there was nothing we could even do about the hot water tank, um, let alone the fact that the same component or two failed on like all these units. So, yeah, it's it's difficult when you live in an area where you don't think it's ever going to matter when you have leaders who are hell-bent on not doing what big government says because they're just trying to take your guns or something, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, just about the time when I was at least getting power back, I found out my neighbors in Fort Worth were having to boil water for safety. Uh, people in Austin I spoke to still didn't have any power. They were collecting – they were putting buckets under large icicles as the melt happened so they could fill the back of their toilet tank so they could flush it. Wow. And, and there's people all over that are still in these tough situations. So um, it's unfortunate. And that's why I say I think Texas is going to get neutered here because, like, clearly Texas said forever, we don't need anybody. And, you know, it's a major step for Governor Abbott to actually go to D.C. and President Biden and say, we need help. We need assistance. Like, we need all the things. Um, and so that, you think, that's happening. you think President Biden then will say, like, Sure, but regulation needs to happen like that. I don't know. I mean, the te- there's plenty of Texas state lawmakers who are like, I literally wrote the law 20 years ago that was designed to prevent this. Like these, oh. these, like the, the entire board of directors for the one power company has already resigned. Um, so it's like it's enforcement, not that there's no law. Yeah, like if any state should be able to handle its own energy sources, it's Texas. Well, you guys are, I didn't know this, but apparently Texas is not connected to the national power grid. You guys all produce and use your own energy, right? That's that's my understanding, right? That's what they were like. We don't even need you. We're so powerful. So that was like a way to have independence from the big government, right? Yeah. Um, but it also created the situation. Wow. I, I guess just real quick, I, I would say this. So if you're someone who didn't experience this or you're wondering like what should you do if a storm is coming – there, there are really basic steps that everyone is always advised to take. Um, if you know a big freeze is coming, um, you've probably heard like run your water, run your faucets, right? Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. So what that keeps it from freezing, is that what it is? Yeah, so um, if water is flowing, even a small trickle or really a small flow is coming through your faucets, that is always one of the first things they tell you to do. Open up the cabinets to your sinks so that, you know, more warmth is exposed to the, to the plumbing underneath the sink, um, and, and run the water. Now, in our case, we were screwed no matter what, because I mean, one, we had no idea the power company was going to 
try to be proactive and then completely bungle everything. Um, and we had no way of stopping that unit from breaking. Right. Um, in fact, I could go. I could go turn the power back on to my tankless heater right now and have hot water, but I'll have a steady flow of water coming out of it that's only going to burst in time. Um, oh. I mean, and I'm, and I'm one of the fortunate ones. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so open the cabinets to your plumbing, internal plumbing, uh, and and run water as you're able. And and the, you can calculate the cost on this. It's trust me. If you have a burst pipe inside your wall, it is probably going to be higher than your insurance deductible. So like it's worth running water all night on a cold night or I even stayed up late a couple times. I was up till 1:30 or 2 where I would just go around and run water sporadically until I went to sleep and then I could like run the water. So I, I was working for days to keep what we had clear clear. And um you know those are just good steps to take. If you if you can blow dry a, a part uh, that seems to be freezing up a little bit. You could do that if you can wrap warm blankets around anything. Um, you can do things like that, but those are the basic steps to prevent those pipes from freezing, if, if possible. So, Clay, what is this? Uh, I was thinking about this at our house. Like, if our power had gone out, which it didn't, we would have had no way to keep keep the temperature up in the house. Um, like everything is electric. Our stove is electric. Our yep. oven. Um, what do, for you and Jen, as you're talking about this, are you like, we need to change some things? Like we need to put a fireplace in our place or like, what, what does that do for you as far as thinking about the future? Well, we do have a gas stove. We were fortunate in that we were able to boil water. Um, obviously we're a ramen household, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, and Jen even made some of my Pittsburgh <laughs> chicken noodle potato stewy stuff. That was, that, that was easy <laughs> to like potatoes. No, it's 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 boiled potatoes, but it's just a simple dish that we could heat up over and over. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it was really sad. A couple of mornings, I woke up and I was like, "There's power!" and I would race to make coffee, and like the power would be turned off before I could get oh, my shoot. coffee finished. So everyone um, across the nation, uh, across the state, also had like horrible headaches because they had yeah, ca- yeah, forced caffeine withdrawal. So to your question, um, you know, we can't put a fireplace in. Um, it's it's basically we had a lot of blankets and we were smart in how we you know bundled up and tried to preserve our warmth. Um, but there were uh, and there's a, there's a large homeless pop- population here in Dallas. There's a lot of people who did not have um, the, you know the, the fortune to have the kind of structure that we did, uh, whether their home failed in other ways or whatever. The uh, city created warming centers. So we live right up the road from the convention center, which is a huge facility. Um, and they created what they called a warming center. And the city wanted to create more, but the power company was at their – I mean, they, they were so terrible. At, at, they said we can't even like reasonably guarantee that we can keep you know, this major facility uh, in power right now. They were just wow. not even able to um, create any assurances in that case. So, so some people went to warming centers like that, and um, you know you can get kerosene heaters and, and things like that, um, which was common in Pittsburgh, not so much down here. But it's funny, man. Like, no one even ever shoveled their sidewalk. No, I, I wanted to. Like, I've never been a person who has an unshoveled sidewalk or unsalted sidewalk. I don't have any of that stuff. Right. So on day five, when I was finally able to get out, and Jen and I went to the store, we went to Walmart. They don't sell shovels. They don't sell bags of salt. Like, 
I couldn't even believe it, like this Twilight Zone. I figured if ever there was a time for a manufacturer to get these products down to Texas, like people were looking to buy, right? Right. Um, that happened to us one winter that kind of we had a similar storm, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe. And it's like everybody's just using regular shovels. That's all anybody had. The stores that had salt were sold out. So I literally bought um, – like, uh, it wasn't salt you could put down. It was, like, plugs of salt, like, for pools or something. So I'd have to crush it before I put it out. Like, all this stuff. It was crazy. Um, yeah. So is this – how often does a storm like this come to Texas? Was this, like, a once-in-a-century thing? Or, like, why why this storm was the one to crush uh, it? Apparently, my first um – couple months here in 2015 that was the biggest snowstorm we had until this one so that was like five years but that i'm telling you that big one in 2015 it was melted by 3 p.m um oh. this so is they the literally cold. were like this has never really <clears throat> happened like this in yeah a long time. they said it's been 30 the forecast said it's going to be the coldest it's been in 32 years so whatever that was um so that 32 years that's like a perfect generation of of executives who in their entire career have never seen a reason to care right right um and, and, and it's the like real thing that could be put off, like why, why spend yeah, a like dollars? We're never to... gonna, we'll be fine, right? And yeah. and I, you know, I work in the oil and gas industry a lot, and I know what a turnaround looks like for a plant. Like when you do a, a turnaround to uh, maintain or update equipment, it can be a two week procedure or more. Like it's it's a substantial period of time where so all hands are multiple millions of dollars, probably not probably, like, yeah, a lot of yeah. investment, a lot of planning, and and so on. And and the real tragedy here is now. Because there are so many people on variable rates for their electric bills. Oh yeah, um, tell me about that. I don't understand that. Well, like, you know, Jen uh, Jen handles <laughs> most important decisions <laughs> in the household. <laughs> um, she she has just kind of been on top of that for a few years, dealing with uh, with the um, electric uh, bill. So when we moved into this place, I was like, "Hey, you've got a better handle on that," and she figured it all out. So she got us on a fixed deal. Um, so, you know, we're in a good situation where nothing changes. We get, no matter what, um, you know, we get the same flat bill, but if it's, it's just like anything else, if you get a variable rate, they can jack up the cost of electricity. So a lot of people, you're probably hearing news stories where people are getting like $10,000 heating bills and and the companies are like, the companies are like, we're here to like offer you assistance. So we'll let you pay it off over 10 years, like three days of electricity. Now people have like a car payment, you know? Right. Um, and they're like, I guess it would have been better if I didn't have electricity, maybe. Uh, there's a podcast from New York Times called Start Here. And they, they recounted a story yesterday of a woman who she knew like that she was going to be up against it. Like they had to keep warm, but they also had this financial uh, vulnerability. So they literally unplugged and shut down every single thing in their house except using the heat to a minimal level when they had electricity. Like she couldn't have been more careful about not overusing electricity. And for like three days, even she got a $600 bill. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it's really rough. I don't know how the government, uh, you know, will navigate that. Jen tells me that we've already been given, I guess the state of Texas now has a tax extension, filing extension, to yeah, June. It's not like a two month extension, I think. Yeah, like we, I said, I said, what you mean the state? We don't have state taxes in Texas. She's like, no, the federal. I was like, oh, interesting. So, um, 
you know, that's just like basically people can't even function now. Like even right now, I'm living a pretty normal life, but to not have hot water, it's so fundamental in so many ways, you know. Um, like I can't just I can't just prepare for work calls and like go hop in a quick shower. At most, I got to get to a friend's house or I got to boil water. And again, I'm in a relatively good situation, not having hot right. water probably for the next three weeks. Ugh. Oh, man. So it's mess. it's been crazy. If you're out there and you've been affected by this storm, <laughs> I feel you. Um, but but you know you you can you can prepare as much as you know how sometimes, and it's not going to be enough because these are not things that are just up to us. And that one Texas mayor who went off on a rant about how everybody needed to step up and just handle their lives. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, he he quickly resigned because what a loser. His job literally was to provide services for the people in his community. Right. Um, well, and, people yeah. have died also. It's a very tone deaf thing to say. Absolutely. Sure. A mother and a child trying to get warm going. And again, here's another important tip, right? Yes. Using your car is very, uh, helpful to get warm and to charge your phone, but you have to have ventilation if you're in a closed space, right? So oh, did someone die doing that? asphyxiation? Yeah. So you oh. can't, you can't just run your car in a closed space, like a garage without some kind of ventilation. And I get it. If you can't open your garage door, um, you know, not everyone knows, Matt, how to reach over the car to di- to pull that little red cord. You can disconnect with a little pin. You can disconnect the electric part of your garage door, and it just lets the little metal bar hang freely, at which point you can open and close your garage door manually. It sounds complicated, right. but, like, if you if you just take a few minutes and look at it with, with some daylight, you can figure it out. But, yeah, you got people dying because they're trying to, to get warm. You know, it's... It's it's crazy. It's yeah, terrifying. That's really sad. Uh, okay, so talk to me, Clay. We'll go to our like things that are fascinating us in a, in a few minutes here. But so we kind of talked some about being prepared and some of what happened and what you've seen. But tell me a little bit about the positive side as far as the community coming together to help each other. Do you see anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting, you know, Jen was comparing, Jen lived through Sandy in New York. Um, uh-huh. She's she's one of those people who's like, I've lived through enough historical events. Um, and when that happened, she didn't heed the warnings and get out of the city. So she was kind of stuck in the city and she was all alone um, for like three days with a box of Cheerios. Oh, um, wow. and, and she's, you know, we've talked about how different this was, like at least we're together this time and and we have this neighborhood where like half of the people seem to be reclusive and they just like refuse to engage with anyone else at all costs. Uh-huh, <laughs> like, just in, in general. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. it's weird. I, I don't, I don't know why. And then the other half is like really engaged and there's a text thread and um, we stay really on top of things. And then there's like a few in the middle who use a Facebook group and like that's, there's a, there's a few more people involved there. Um, and it, And it really was nice to, have this channel of communication. At one point, someone reached out to Jen and I and said, hey, I, I haven't been back to the place. Can you go check on it? I walked over and you know, saw his water tank gushing. He was one of the unfortunate ones. And there were like three or four stories like that where everybody was just able to like run over and, and help like get the water shut off and you know move, move stuff around and just keeping an eye on each other's house. So... Mm. Um, it, it it's it's always that concept of you know who is my neighbor that you think of in a in a time like that um so that's been good and 
and we're all trying to help each other, uh, you know, get back to hot water and, and things like that. But yeah, um, when you see so many people in the community who are like all kind of suffering together, it's it's kind of like what culture is, right? It creates this common point of reference of something you experience together, and that becomes mm. a kind of social glue, right? It, both in present and in our memory. So um, it's it's like you know, in, in my life, I could tell you about the Pittsburgh storm of '93 and different pe- and Snowmageddon in 2010, right? Like we remember these touch points. And Jen talks about Sandy, which is like, you know, we were watching on, on all the news networks hit New York City. So um, it, it does create an opportunity. And, and I will say there are some neighbors who maybe there was a little tension with just because either they created it or like there's just a standoffishness that some people naturally have. Um, these major events are kind of equalizers. And the next thing you know, this person who you didn't talk to for months, like it's just like, well, we're all out here chipping ice off our cars together. We're all out here trying to clean up these flooded garages together, right? So yeah. um, there are opportunities in crisis um, to to build those bonds, I would say. And and that's something, uh, you know, that can positive that can come out of, out of tough times, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I know I think JR's household hosted some folks because they had heat and power and stuff yeah we went over there and got hot showers ourselves on sunday night which was well there you go which was really uh oh my goodness i can't tell you after seven days <laughs> it was it was really You're like i'm clean it was really yeah. nice yeah oh man oh wow well i'm glad you guys are doing okay and i'm so bummed i didn't realize you uh you didn't have hot water that whole time and you still don't that's crazy um well, hopefully hopefully by next week your hot water will be back maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I think uh I think we might be heading for mid-March. Although there's a couple neighbors who are trying to salvage broken units and find them and we can maybe get good parts out of bad oh, units. Smart. Well, I'm glad you guys are okay and uh you too. sounds like it was a pretty harrowing experience. All right. Clay, Clay sent a note at one point that said, uh, even my dogs are cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dog's not a fan of wearing clothes like his sister, but he had his hoodies on for like three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, that's good. Well, what did the, uh, have you still been able to, uh, be fascinated by anything or is that, has all of your attention gone to survival? Um, well, I, I'll say this when, when we had, uh, when we had power, we, we ended up watching some movies in like sections. So we, oh. would, we would get power and we'd be like, okay, quick, hurry up, you know, make, uh, make coffee or boil water or get everything charged in the house. And there would be times where we would be able just to kind of sit down and have an hour of normalcy to watch TV or something. Um, and WandaVision has, uh, had kind of reignited our interest in the, um, Marvel Universe, the cinematic universe. Uh-huh. So one of the things we've done over the recent weeks is we've been rewatching the Phase 3 movies. So that was kind of cool. We had uh we had already watched Doctor Strange a month or two ago, rewatched. And then we did Thor Ragnarok, which was way better than I remembered. I couldn't believe how fun that was. Yeah. Uh cool. and then Black Panther, which was the first time we watched it since Chadwick Bose uh passing. 
and that was sad, but like really meaningful. That movie's so powerful. And then we watched uh, Infinity War, and uh, then Captain Marvel. So now uh, we've we've saved Endgame. Our first Endgame rewatch will probably be this weekend. But uh, that's kind of been where uh, our happy distraction here in between the storm. That's awesome. That's good that you're able to have a little. Have you rewatched uh, all the films? Is there any that you only saw once? Um, or is there any you haven't seen? Oh no, I've seen them all. You know, my uh, my kids are are relatively into them, and Micah came to them later than everyone else. So we, I think this summer we rewatched most of them with her. I don't think there's. You know, the only one I've, of all the Marvel movies that I've only seen once is probably the Incredible Hulk movie. And that was like when it first came out. With, uh, with uh, Eric Bana? Uh, or Edward no, Norton? It had, um, Ed Norton? Is that? I think it might have been Ed Norton. It might yeah. have been Eric. I don't even remember. I think yeah, both Norton. of those movies are disappointing. I mean, I loved Eric Bana and that didn't work. And the Ed Norton one, I can't even remember at all. Like, it's just not. Yeah, it's interesting because they haven't kicked it out of the, like, timeline. They just have kind of ignored it. <laughs> well, those movies predate Iron Man. Yeah, right. So they don't count them, right? They only, they, they, Marvel Studios, the actual first Marvel Studios film was Iron Man. Right, but the general from the the one I was talking about, uh, he shows up. Oh, in interesting. some of the Marvel scenes. Interesting. Um, yeah, I wouldn't so, even know that. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it shows that at least on some level, and they did this also with uh, with Rhodey, right? Like they're they're willing to recast uh, at least some of the characters. It'll be interesting to see if they end up having to do that with some of the main players or not. It looks like they're trying to set up a new generation, like of kids, to be so we can grow up with some more heroes. But we'll see. I think it'd be interesting. If they do decide to recast people, it'll just kind of be like James Bond, I guess. Like a different guy as Thor now or whatever. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they end up doing. You know, now it's weird, right? Because Endgame ended the story for some actors, for sure, it appears. But like then Doctor Strange 2 is coming, right? And um, and however they're going to carry on that kind of stuff. I will say that like it's interesting rewatching. So like... Thor Ragnarok surprised me how great it was. Um, Black Panther didn't surprise me, but it was still great. Captain Marvel was like good, but not great. Ant-Man Wasp, I didn't even want to rewatch. So there's there's definitely a scale within these films for each viewer, I think, based on what you like. For sure. I mean, you want to start a fight on the internet, just rank your top ten. Well, we'll be talking about WandaVision in a, in a future episode once that whole series concludes. Uh, we'll have yeah. probably a whole episode on that. But what about you, Matt? What's fascinating you? Yeah. Uh, so I just recently – I'm going to steal one of JR's future picks. <laughs> okay. I just watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah this week, ah. which is a story about the Black Panthers, the political party, um, and a really specific story about a guy – who and this is this happens in the first five minutes, so this isn't a spoiler. But uh, I mean, if you can spoil history, it's a guy who uh, gets caught by the feds breaking some law, and they're like, "We'll let you off the hook if you agree to infiltrate the Black Panthers and kind of be our informant." This is Fred Hampton. Uh, yeah, so Fred Hampton's the uh, 
he's actually the the leader of the Chicago Black Panthers at this okay. time. And he's real young. He's like 1920 at this time. Um, so this other guy's been stealing cars and they send him in to infiltrate the Panthers. Uh, and it's kind of, it follows, the title gives away that it's a very religious story patterned on the passion of the Christ. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting. And just, I mean, predictably sad. I didn't know all the details of the story, so I don't want to wreck that for anyone who doesn't. Um, but I was watching it and I was like, oh no, I think I know where this is going. And then, you know, you're like, wow, so messed up. Uh, and it just brought to mind, like the best art does, right? It didn't just tell me about the past. It like shed some light on the present in some really powerful ways. Um, and the acting's top notch, like for sure. Some of these, yeah, the cast is impressive. It's, it's, uh, Lakeith Stanfield and uh, yep. Daniel Kalua, both from Get Out. Yep. Jesse, uh, yeah, uh, the white dude from guys, Loving. I, I'd be shocked if they're not up for some sort of award somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing job. So, great movie. I mean, it's almost two hours, I think. And then there's the emotional shell shock afterwards. So, just set aside some time when you're ready to watch it. Okay. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was powerful, thought-provoking. I've thought about it multiple times since then. And I called JR, and we talked about it. Um, so, yeah, definitely... Definitely worth your time. Yeah, it's on the list for sure. There's a couple of things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good note. Like, you have to know yourself and you have to know when is the right time. Like, even um, Amend, that uh, 14th Amendment documentary I, I talked about with Will Smith, mm-hmm. that dropped on Netflix and it's been sitting there. But, like, Jen and I know that the best time to engage with material like that is probably not at the end of another freezing cold day, right? When we're exhausted. So um, same reason we'll wait on some of these movies until you can kind of be in the right headspace and, yeah. and be able to focus and then be able to absorb and all that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we'd love to hear what you all are watching or if you had an experience with the storm uh, or some other emergency, you want to fill us in about it. We'd love to hear it. Or if you're sitting on a stockpile of tankless water heater components <laughs> like I smog. Like to hear from you. <laughs> Now's your chance. He'll buy all you have. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so this has been episode 285. Next week, we should have at least JR and Kathy back, and I think maybe our guest that we had previously scheduled. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him in next week as well. Cool, cool, cool. So in the meantime, stay warm if you can, and, uh, you know, be safe out there and be kind to each other and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Bye.